Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is Brian Kazaska. And today we have our guest. We have Cameron Kluth here from Obnoxious and Anonymous, his YouTube channel, with his film Queen of Hearts, a Twin Peaks fan film. Cameron, it's been a long time coming. How is it going? Uh, it's it's nice to be done with the film. <laughs> <laughs> Are you because, really ever done with anything? I mean, like, <laughs> well, you know what? To be honest, that might be correct because uh, my wife and I took a uh, sort of hike near an area where I shot one of the sequences, and I realized that I didn't credit that location <laughs> in the in the, in the in the special thanks. So I went back like that night and added it in. So there's like one extra credit that needs to be put back into the film. That's great. Uh, <laughs> but at least, but I told myself it's not a person and right. it's not, it's not a piece of music. So I think I can yep. get away with it. So, right. right. Well, this is, this is pretty, this is like an epic four hour Twin Peaks fan film. I mean, it is something else. I remember thinking like, oh, I'll wait for it, you know, it all to be put together. And Cameron, you and I were messaging back and forth. It's like, you know, it's four hours. Like, whoa, why did you, I was like thinking, oh, you know, it's a feature film. I mean, I've done some like just a little bit of feature film stuff that were like for college and stuff. It's like, oh, it's going to be an hour and a half, maybe two hours. It's like, no, this is four hours. I mean, that is a lot it, of work to put into that. It too. wasn't meant to be. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I kind of, because the, the script is, I believe the script's 98 pages. And so I thought, okay, it's going to be roughly around maybe like a fire walk with me length. Yeah. And then, of course, you add in those Twin Peaks pauses, right? And that's going <laughs> to carry it over. Uh, also, we had uh, 150 scenes in the script. Now, obviously, not all of them were filmed because of the pandemic, but mm. obviously a good chunk of them were. So, if you take 150 scenes and even if one of, you know, if every scene is two minutes, that's going to be a five hour film. Right. The fact that we got it down to about 345 with credits that takes it to four. Cause I obviously thanked everybody who donated to the project. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's kind of the El Mariachi of twin peaks films, you know, cause it's pretty fast <laughs> in terms of like the speed of the scenes. You know, I don't have, yeah. there are pauses, but it's not Gordon Albert's looking at each other for five minutes straight in a hotel room. <laughs> so. So how long have you been thinking about making this film? And yeah, like I love like the history of how this came about. Like everybody, you know, uh, of our age saw Fire Walk with Me in the theater. I was a huge fan, obviously, of the of the series. I've uh, been, you know, couldn't wait to see Fire Walk with me. Saw it in the theater and there was, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. As I said to John Thorne the other day, I had a, few st few sticklers and because I was you know I'm kind of a continuity person uh but uh but I really enjoyed the film overall and I think I really love it now that the missing pieces are out and mm. especially if you can see the full fan cut right now yeah like that to me is like the you know that is what David Lynch intended the film to be but he couldn't do it because of <laughs> the theatrical runtime but uh anyway so I saw of course the scene of Annie giving Laura the message and I thought that is really a bold choice mm. uh, because if you, you know, look at her character in the series and she's this former nun, you know, suicidal ex nun. Right. 
uh, you know, it's like, how bad does the world have to be with Mr. C out there? Or I consider the doppelganger at that time. How bad is it going to be out there in the world for her to have to go back in time? Uh, you know, as some people equate it as a dream sequence. I kind of look at it as her going back in time in some way to give uh, Laura this message. I thought, wow, that's it's got to be really bad out there, you know, for somebody who like, you know, is going to defy time and space, who, you know, believes in God and the universe and all that. And then the ending of Fire Walk Me with Laura and Cooper in the Red Room and thinking how bittersweet that they're trapped in this horrible place, mm. but they're safer in there than they are out in the world. Right. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool? So a few months later, I'm sitting with some friends and they said, you know, if you ever got into a room with Mark Frost and David Lynch, now keep in mind at this point, you know, they were still doing on the air together and all that. Right. So mm. uh, the assumption was that they were going to continue being partners. Uh, you know, what would you pitch to them? And I had never really thought about it. And then it kind of reminded me of that moment in Fire Walk with me. And I thought, you know, it'd be really great to tell the story of Annie Blackburn postseason two, how she got to Laura, but also um, cross that with uh, Wyndham and Caroline. Because obviously in the second season uh, finale, there's this, you know, with Cooper in the, in the, in the Black Lodge, there's, Annie and Caroline are interchangeable. Mm. Right. And it's all, and Annie was kind of set up to be sort of the redemption arc for the Caroline thing anyway. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to kind of take a sort of a Godfather two approach and tell both stories where, you know, Annie's going to get to Laura Cooper and Caroline and all that tragedy, but it's going to culminate in both women in the black lodge, looking at each other, wearing the same dress. Mm. Right. And I thought that would be kind of a cool thing. And that is where it stopped, right? I thought, I, I kind of just made a mental note, like, that'd be really cool. Never thought in a million years I would do it. Never even pursued to doing it. Never wrote the script, anything. So we get to season three and uh, I'm like very excited because I'm thinking they're, they're going to they're gonna deal with Annie in some way. They have to. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, even we Lynch. Thought that. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, David Lynch, even on in his in the book, Lynch on Lynch, he mentions Annie visiting Laura. Mm. Um, he mentions the fact that it would be like, I think he says something like if, if someone in the twenties mentioned Lee Harvey Oswald or something like that. So I knew that was on his mind. So I thought, okay, we're going to, we're going to deal with this in some way, some form. And we kind of got that scene with Hawk and Truman and where Hawk doesn't even remember how many diary pages there are because he's completely off on his count. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, and then of course, you know, the, the yellow pages uh, that, you know, that Laura obviously had to write Annie's thing on that because she already gave her diary to Harold Smith. So <laughs> they couldn't be included. Right. Right. So I kept thinking, okay, Heather Graham is going to be one of those people that it was not on the cast list that is going to show up. Yep. And then she didn't show up. So I started thinking, okay, well, cause um, uh, I think soon after season three, ended of uh, thor omley came out with the summer house at pearl lakes yeah right? really good. and and it was like i think it was like a five minute the first one was like a five minute short i think it was roughly around that and a friend of mine said you should check this out and i was like i i didn't know thor and i still don't but i mean i didn't know of him and i didn't know the film i knew someone told me it uh at one at like the Twin Peaks Fest, I think up in up yeah. in Washington when it was when the fest was there. And so I looked at it and I was like, yeah, you know, this is something 
you can do now because obviously technology is cheaper and doesn't look like, I mean, no offense to Inland Empire. It doesn't look like that anymore, right? I mean, you can kind of get HD. And so I thought, okay, well, that would be an idea. And so I started floating around the idea on my channel because I was, like you said, I was doing daily, if not weekly videos because we were still coming down off that season three high, still trying to figure out what the heck some of it meant, right? Mm -hmm. If anything, even if it just, what did it mean to us personally, if not what it actually means? And I thought, Anyway, so I started flowing this idea, like, would it, should I do this? Wouldn't it be, you know, I thought this is going to be a little bit more expensive than than what Thor did. Um, and okay, kept, do you have a video production background? For some reason, I thought you did. Do you, I, I've I've done I've done films. I went to film school for a little bit, but I yeah. also worked I also worked in news. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and obviously, that's a completely different thing, right? Yeah. But you did learn how to shoot fast and edit fast, right? Right. You got to make that six o'clock deadline. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, uh, uh, anyway, so people kept encouraging me, like, you should really do this. And I thought, okay. Um, and then I got wind that the final dossier was coming out mm-hmm. and there was going to be a subject on Annie Blackburn. And I thought, okay, well, this is where this movie idea stops because I know a lot of people out there would say, well, well it's your story. You do what you want. Yeah. But I'm. I'm a stickler for this kind of stuff. I am not going to do something that is going to trample on what Lynch or Frost, even individually Mm. are doing. Mm. So if, if Frost had, had, had written something, I don't know about any that completely, I couldn't do anything with this movie would not exist. So anyway, the final dossier is coming out and I'm thinking, Oh my God, this is where it's going to stop. And it comes out and it talks about how um, Annie is in the hospital and she's in there for one day and she's talkative and then she goes completely silent. Hmm. And I was like, well, I kind of need her to get out of the hospital. That's kind of, you know, uh, but, it, but Frost says she stays in the hospital and I, and then it, and then it dawned on me. Yeah. But if I can move all the speaking scenes to one day, so like her talking to major Briggs, her talking to Norma, her talking to the doppelganger instead of being spread out. Cause originally my story was going to be, she got out of the hospital and was staying with the doppelganger in the hotel room and, mm. then, and then realized that this wasn't Dale Cooper and she had to get out of there. But season three had set up this timeline where pretty much the day after uh, that, uh, the, you know, Cooper came out or the doppelganger came out of the lodge that he confronted major Briggs and left town. Mm. So I knew I had to have that timeline. And then I thought, okay, well, if she's talking for one day, great. Then that fits that timeline. It fits everything. But she's in the hospital forever, like kind of just quiet. And I thought, you know what? We're going to tulpa her. And that's what I did. And so that way it fits in with the final dossier. But then I'm still able to tell my story. And I think I, you know, I was uh, constantly showing pictures while the while I was editing the film of Annie in the hospital. And people are saying, how are you going to have a protagonist where she's just comatose in the hospital? And then once they saw the film and saw what I did, they realized you bastard like you know i can't believe it <laughs> but it just it just made perfect sense right that right. you could just do that especially since she was kind of in a um you know a terrible state after dealing confronting the doppelganger i mm. thought well that's where the tulpa is going to be comatose and, <laughs> and like uh and, and frightened um so anyway uh yeah so i didn't think anything of it and then and then again the final dossier came out i, I figured i could do this so i started doing the uh, campaign and um, well, first thing I want to say 
uh, because there's been some misconceptions out there, but is that the first person I even reached out to prior to even doing the campaign and uh, was Sabrina Sarlin. Hmm. Now, and I, and, and, uh, and the reason why I even bring it up is because I didn't know if they were going to do a season four or, or something. I didn't, yeah. you know, so I wanted to kind of bring it up. I mean, she'd been on my show a couple of times and I wanted to say, this is what I'm thinking of doing. If there is any issue with this, let me know. And I won't even do it because I said, you know, we have so many mutuals on, you know, social media, right? You're going to see something having to do with the film. Um, this is my intent for it. This is what I'd like to do with it. And, you know, she basically wrote back and said, thank you for telling me. I can't wait to see this. Good luck with it. And so I thought, okay, without actually saying, you know, you know, you know, you have permission from Lynch Ross right. production, you know, cause that's, that's a whole different story. Yeah. It was like, you know what, I'm going to look this way and good luck. <laughs> and, and so, so when I would hear stories out there while during, you know, before you know, while we're trying to get the film off the ground that like, you know, Lynch Frost production is going to be super PO'd about this and, you know, and Showtime's going to come crashing down and stuff like that. It's like, well, I've never re really was in contact with any of them, but at any moment they could have shut it down, right. but they didn't mm -hmm. because they knew my intent was not to, you know, um, uh, you know, profit off this or they knew where I was coming from. Right. right. You know, and, and, and also I think they were kind of like, I get, get in the back of my mind that they were kind of curious to see what I was going to do with this thing, mm. you know? And um, I, I think, you know, from what I've heard, um, you know, I haven't gotten an official confirmation from anybody in Lynch Ross Productions who has seen it, but I have heard that, uh, that probably many of them have seen it. And uh, you know, so that's, that, that makes me happy. Nice. Yeah, it's always good to think or know that they have seen your work or what you've put out there based on Lynch's art. And I mean, they, I mean, for obviously, you know, reasons, they can't come out and say, everybody watch this because right. that would be like giving the stamp of approval. It would be like telling, you know, Showtime or them saying, you know, this thing's canon. And so they have to kind of just pretend it doesn't exist. But by them pretending it doesn't exist, it's acknowledging its existence. Anything bad for them? It's not like they're just like, "How dare you <laughs> do this or something like that." There's nothing. There's, the fact that they have nothing negative to say about your work is a positive. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And I think yeah. that me reaching out to Sabrina and letting them know what my intent was and what it was gonna, it was gonna. I said, "Listen, I know you can't confirm or deny, but it's gonna be dealing with Annie Blackburn. Is this something? If you guys are gonna be dealing with this, just or you know, just tell me." stop go away you know what i mean mm -hmm. they said no i can't wait to see this thing so i think in many ways she is um again i don't have a confirmation about this but i think she is a big reason why showtime didn't go what is going on you know because she i think she said don't worry about this thing yeah right it's right. a fan so, who loves twin peaks and they want to share right their... but i gotta I got tell you though i was a little nervous when it when the pre-production on the film took a while longer than i was expecting it to i was thinking at any minute I'm going to get the notice saying, mm -hmm. you know, stop because, yeah. because there are all these, of course, when you deal with dealing with um, crowdfunding campaigns and things take a little longer, 
you're going to be dealing with people accusing you of like, you know, you stole the money or this the kind of thing. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, this is going to be the moment where Showtime or Lynch Frost Productions, somebody contacts me and says, what is going on with this thing and shut it down. And this is blowing up into a big deal. Right. Right. So I was always nervous, but that never that never came. And uh, I think because they they, they sensed that I was going to get this thing done by by hook or crook. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad, uh, you know, they did it because, I mean, the movie came out, uh, I think, fantastic. I watched the four hour cut. Yeah. Uh, a couple of days ago. Um, I didn't watch. I like how you have options. People can watch the five parts or the four hour cut. I went and opted in the four hour cut. You're very um, respectful of all the material. So I, yeah, there would be no reason why they would have a problem with it. And, I don't think. And, and I've said to other people uh, that uh, I feel like this film, listen, I love their work. Don't get me wrong. But this film almost smoothed things over for some people for season three. And, and uh, you know, in any way, it just makes that it makes people like their work even more. And I've also said, you know, Showtime can completely profit off this. You know, if they want to make little Wyndham Earl dolls or Caroline <laughs> Pop Funkos or whatever, <laughs> you know, Annie stuff, it's all your stuff. It's all your material. Go for it. But, um, you know, it was fun being able to play in the sandbox. And uh, I'm curious to know just from your point of view, because I know you guys are just massive fans and know this material inside and out. I mean, I know like when I was talking with Josh Eisenstadt, he was amazed how much I was able to put into the film like there's so many i want to say just easter eggs but like this connects to this and this you know you can kind of see mm, what, what yeah if you're if you guys know the material you know it's like you can kind of see what i'm doing yes totally you know? before uh you know uh, we had you on today and i was saying i i'm i mean i was like i can't believe he he brought in the books he brought in season three he brought in season two he he connected all these pieces I is very impressive and I think like uh, on someone watching a big fan is going to enjoy all that and someone who's maybe not a big fan is still going to enjoy it for what it is but I think it's also one of those things you can watch again and again and get more out of it as well yeah because people have asked me when 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 should you watch this and I say you have to watch it kind of after season three for it to really kind of mm. make sense yeah. Especially yeah. and, and, and we can talk spoilers because it's been out for a while, but like especially with the ending, uh, you kind of need season three to understand yes. what, what that is. And, um, you know, of course, I didn't let on to anybody about the ending so that uh, when that ending happens, it's I think it yeah. surprised a lot of people, um, especially when that when it when it hard cuts to Cooper and Carrie Page out there. It's like, oh, OK, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I guess you're spoiling it, but I'm not even trying to spoil it. I actually like your ending better than I like season three ending. Maybe, I mean, and, and I, the reason just for that is that there is like this um this sense of hope and action, whereas I guess the conclusion of the actual season three is a little bit of sense of dread and confusion and there's, where do we go from here? And I'd rather have that more positive saying where, you know, we're going into action. We're going to, you know, <laughs> at least- Well, I, th I think that that stems from- you know, as, as I was saying the other day, it's like if you take Lynch's L.A. trilogy out of the equation, I'm pr I think every one of his films has a happy ending. 
right? I mean, Eraserhead's bittersweet, Elephant Man's bittersweet, Dune's happy ending, Blue Velvet, Wild Heart. I mean, he went back and changed the ending of Wild Heart to have a happy ending, right? Firewalk with me, bittersweet, straight story, obviously happy. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. that guy likes happy endings. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to give it a happy ending and wrap up Twin Peaks, but maybe I'll kick the can a little <laughs> five minutes down the road and kind of give it that feeling like it is kind of coming together. Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously it's, you know, it doesn't wrap up Twin Peaks, but emotionally I feel like it wraps up this story, you know, mm. where it's like Annie didn't feel like she belonged. She was this new person that came into this town. And by the end, she's, you know, one of kind of, you know, <laughs> the, the White Lodge team, I guess, you know. And I just thought it'd be really cool just because originally when I first thought of the story years and years ago, I just assumed the movie was going to end with her giving the message to Laura. Like that was going to be pretty much like mm. the, the end point. Um, and then after season three, I thought, well, I should kind of add what we can into this. And so I thought when I, for about five minutes or so, when I was working on the script, I thought with when she's staying outside Norma's house and you hear Carrie scream and the lights go out, I thought, well, that might be a good place to stop it because then obviously we're at the end of season three. She kind of knows whatever plan that Cooper's come up with, whatever is it's in play. We could just have her go back in the house with Norma kind of pan, you know, uh, have the camera pull back and have the credits go and whatever. And then I thought, wait a minute, you know, she's, she's visited Cooper as a kid. She's visited Laura as a kid and as a teenager. Um, she's had a relationship with Cooper. This is the moment where you can mm. actually have all three of them together in the same spot. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. And, and I thought, okay, we'll do that. But instead of her, like, you know, teleporting over there, let's have her do, because this is the end of the film, let's have her do a walk through the town in completely in darkness, mm. you know, and uh, and have her just walk to Laura's. And that gave me the excuse of like having her go by by the diner, which we mm. shot at three o'clock in the morning when nobody was on the road. <laughs> um, having her go by Donna's house because I firmly believe that if 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 it does continue in some way, that Donna is going to have to play some sort of role. We can help. In the, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the reason why I say that is because in part seventeen, when Cooper's watching James and Laura do their conversation. Lynch holds almost the entire conversation to the point where Laura says, even Donna doesn't know me. And then the next scene is when Sarah's in the house stabbing the picture right, of, mm -hmm. of Laura. She knocks over all the pictures except the Laura Donna picture. And so I'm thinking, OK, Donna's got to be some sort of I mean, it may have just been a coincidence, but it's two scenes back to back where <laughs> Donna is prominent. Yeah. And so I'm like. Let's have so let's have her go by Donna's house and kind of acknowledge that and then have her, you know, you just don't even know where she's going. Uh, some people don't. And then when it just hard cuts and we're outside Laura's house, it's um, I don't know. To me, it's just as a Twin Peaks fan, it's like it's that's fun. Yeah, it, <laughs> it really was like the cherry on top. It really brought the yeah. whole movie together. And I do really love Laura saying, uh, hi, Annie. And it's just like, and like, and you kind of step back. We said, like, Laura knows Annie. Of course she knows Annie. I mean, she knows her from her bed and stuff. I mean, like, well, that, that comes from, you know, because I always thought that in the movie that, that Laura was just drugged out of her mind and was just like, okay, this girl's in bed telling me the story. And then I thought, well, maybe she's not freaking out because she's seen her before. And so that that's when I had the her seeing her as a little kid and things like that. And the idea of having a little child saying, is it because of Bob? 
you know, that really kind of hammers at home that this has been mm-hmm. going on for a long time. And it's not like firewalking because I mean, she says to Harold, you know, he's been having me since I was 12. But according to the diary that Jennifer Lynch wrote, she had been aware of Bob prior to that even. Mm, yeah. So I thought, okay, well, this is going to be a little disturbing, but it kind of needs to be said, you know? And uh, yeah. so, and then also um, there's a moment in Scott Frost's uh, book of uh, Cooper as a little kid. And he's, he's like sitting there by himself at school. And he talks about how this girl sits down next to him, doesn't say a word. Mm-hmm. and then gets up and leaves and he asks her what her name is and he says i think her name was Anne something right and i thought okay you know that just, i'm just good. gonna i'm gonna make it annie and uh i thought that would just be kind of really so if you know that moment in the book it would just be like oh my god like like yeah. it all it all is kind of connecting not again not that the writers and thought all you know they i don't think they all planned for it to connect like this but it's just one of those happy accidents you know where everything just kind of falls into place if you work on a you know the way lynch and them do on that intuitive level things will connect just because it's it's just the way you work you know what i mean yeah we talk a lot about annie and we talk a lot about all that stuff but the one dynamic which uh, is Caroline and Wyndham Merle. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was so interesting that it's like a prequel. We're getting how these two interact with each other, how Dale be- became friends with Wyndham, well, started working with him, and then he became like the third wheel of their marriage <laughs> right? in a right. weird way, right? Like right. He was going, they're going bowling and all that stuff. They're hanging out. <laughs> and like... I thought the actress who played Caroline and I wrote her um, Charlotte Roy. Okay. Um, she, I thought did a fantastic job. Um, in my opinion, it was like scene stealing almost. She was just like, my attention was always on her when she was on screen. She almost like, this is way off point here, but she, I was like, she could have played Diane. She looked very reminiscent of Laura Dern. She looked just like she looked just like the actress though to me from uh, as Caroline. In, I know in, in there was something show. about her that like yelled Laura Dern to and me. Some people, know, th- some people think of Nadine when they see her too, you know, because like, especially yeah. the way she's like slamming the door in his face and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, no, one question about her character though. We um, Ben and myself were talking about this. Is she seemed almost like like she had person different personalities. She was very outgoing, but like. I wasn't sure if this was something that you did intentionally or the way she brought the character to life. Especially the first encounter with Dale, she like closes the door on him and then opens the door. It's like, is she joking with him? Is she playing mind games with them or what's Yeah, like what, like what was, what did she bring to the character and what did you have on the page? It was, it was always written to be that. It's just that when you have somebody like act that, it's going to become, you know, more, a little more elevated. The idea was that, okay, a lot of people, you, we never really see Caroline in the original show. We get a, we get a, we get a black and white little memory flashback mm-hmm. of her. And then we see her in the black lodge, which honestly is not reality. Right. It's like, it's a, you know, Cooper's yeah. idea of her. And Cooper talks references Caroline in a romanticized way. Right. Yeah. And that's the way you would think about somebody after they died. And so the, so I thought to myself, 
okay, if I know what people are going to expect, they're going to expect Cooper to walk in the door, see Caroline. It's going to be, you know, uh, star-crossed lovers right from the start. You know, let's let's keep this secret from Wyndham. <laughs> And, you know, this epic romance. And I'm thinking, no, that's completely wrong. It needs to begin with her slamming the door in his face. Mm. It also needs to accurately portray, in my opinion, what being married to Wyndham Earl for 10 years would do to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> right. And because, yeah. I mean, I think there's a part when you first watch the film, you're thinking, is this the way Wyndham and Caroline get their kicks? Are they like, do they like messing with the new guy? <laughs> you know? Right. I was right? thinking that, yeah. Right. There's there's that aspect. Um, it, it's just, you know, it, it's she and I knew that her slamming the door, opening the door, slamming the door. What that would do is one, it keeps us on our toes. It also keeps Cooper on his toes. And if now in thinking about the show, if you look at Cooper's character, there is no reason for him because even in even in the second season, he doesn't know that Wyndham attacked him. Mm. He has suspicions, but he says, Harry, I, I don't know. Right. So that said to me, okay, Cooper has to be attacked from behind because he wouldn't know. Right. Also, how could Cooper not see this attack coming? And I don't mean like, I mean, just the impending doom of it. And I thought Caroline has to be, you know, sort of a bipolar personality, which would fit in with uh, with with her marriage to Wyndham Earl. But she would have to be, you know, really happy and excited over here, you know, or distant and depressed over here so that it would be this swinging pendulum. And yeah. Cooper would be like, like not knowing where she's going next. Mm. And so and so anybody who's been in a relationship with somebody like that knows that you're always concentrated on the moment because the next moment you don't know what's going to happen. Right. So if, if him and Caroline were just totally happy all the time and this, you know, then he would be able to sense Wyndham coming. But if he's like swinging with Caroline, he's not paying attention to everything around him. Interesting. And, and then that would allow Wyndham to kind of come in and do what he does. That and so sense. I thought that it, that, that aspect of her character um, matched who I think she should be. Um, and it wasn't until like, I mean, it wasn't like I thought for 20 years, like, oh, Caroline would be like this. But when you just stop and kind of think about what kind of person would marry Wyndham Earl, who would stay in that marriage, mm. what that would do to somebody that like, you know, she talks about Wyndham disappearing for days on end, you yeah. know, and um, the only thing that uh, I, I, and I ne never wrote this into the script, but because um, it was mostly from Cooper's point of view, that section, I think for, ex except for one scene, um, you never see Wyndham and Caroline alone. Uh, it's always it's always from Cooper's kind of point of view. And I had to do that one moment in the hospital with her saying to Wyndham, you know, what happened to you? Just so that you knew that this wasn't like some sort of like uh, kinky game they were playing. That they're, you know, that's when I kind of let you know that there's something really going on between these two. But uh, the one scene that I thought would have been fantastic to see is I'd love to see Caroline like in the courtroom as a lawyer. <laughs> Like, like what, you know, like I bet you she could probably turn it off because if you notice in the scenes with Wyndham and Cooper, she's very animated. And, and, and then when she was, and then when she's alone with Cooper, she's still herself, but it's more toned down. So yeah. it's almost like she's playing a role for Wyndham to kind of, you know, operatic in a way, but yeah. then she's much more quieter with Cooper, even though she is still, you know, surprising and erratic at times. She's not, she's not doing that insane laughter around yeah. Cooper, you know? 
Yes. Yeah, totally. But yeah, no, I think she's, she's fantastic. And I mean, obviously without that section working, the Annie section, you know, wouldn't work. I mean, I remember even during pre-production, you know, it was taking so long to get it off the ground that I thought, should I cut one of the stories out, you know? And then, but people were saying to me like, but they feed off each other. And I said, mm. I know that's the problem is yeah. You could tell Annie's story separately, but it, the power of it doesn't, they feed off, they do feed off each other. You one. And that's what, and that was the original concept, right? It was that to have both women's stories being told uh, and then have them meet. And this was before the final dossier where I knew I had to do the whole I'm fine sequence <laughs> with, with, with Annie in the room. So, I think this is what I love of the story is I'm, I'm really big into the non-linear storytelling. I think that's why I love that, you know, you go back and you go forward and you're in the middle and you're all in, but it, it just works well together. It's like, I was watching, it's like, okay, you know, I don't feel, I don't feel like it's just disjointed or anything. It just feels like it flows and, and the way you just bring it all together really works. I mean, it, yeah, I love and it. I really and like I had that. music, I had music with David Bowie and Chris Isaac and Amanda Seyfried at the end. And that was the idea of like, you know, let's permeate this with, with you know twin peaks people on the soundtrack as well you know and just so that you all because like i thought annie's stuff has to be more or less twin peaks in terms of music because she's in that area Mm. but pittsburgh cannot feel like twin peaks Hmm. you can't because you know cooper comes to the town and he's i mean marveling at being in this town right if it feels exactly like pittsburgh why would he be wanting to move there right looking at dead dog farm and all that so i thought we got to do Wyndham and Cooper and Caroline's story all with like basically like Wyndham's record collection, like just like needle, <laughs> needle drops and, you know, things that make you feel like you're in some sort of 60s, 70s movie or something like that. And I thought that would be kind of fun because nobody would ever suspect, you know, that kind of music in this in this world. But um, right. I don't know. To me, it's like because it's Pittsburgh, it works. You know, if you were, you know, needle dropping, you know, Deer Meadow, I don't know if you could get away with that. You know? Right. So, <laughs> Yeah, great soundtrack too by the way really. oh yeah people ask me all the time like well how did you get away with that soundtrack it's like well i can't make any money off the movie anyway so you might as well just go all the way yeah <laughs> why not yeah you know so yeah it looked like you had a lot of fun with that i mean at first i was like what this is not twin peaks music but it also is like all the music that you use was the feeling of these characters you know what i mean like you were using music that really was kind of explaining them which 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 song stuck out to you as a do you remember well, I mean, the first one, of course, is Caroline because it's, Car- you know, she's walking down. I mean, th- there was a bunch of them, but I mean, it's just, it's, you know, yeah. I kind of had to do that one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I love the the very beginning, like when you see when you see them at Glastonbury Grove and the ambulance is taking Annie away and then and then the, the titles come on. It's that's when you to me, I just feel like that's the most important part of the film in many ways, that first five minutes, because you kind of have to convince people that, you know, you're serious with this thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Your opening opening sequence, you know, I I started up and I'm like, okay, this is either going to be really good or really bad or somewhere in the middle. But like that opening sequence does tell you, well, you're in for a treat. And then you do such a great job of introducing each character and Right away, you know who they are. You know their voices so well that when they speak, I'm hearing Dale Cooper. I'm hearing, you know, Wyndham Merle. I'm hearing them through their dialogue. 
And one piece of dialogue stands out. Um, um, Major Briggs. Yeah. Um, I loved his saying. It's so funny because now that I'm in my 40s, I, I kind of relate to what he says. Well, that's the funny thing about time, actually. It's all relative. When you're young, time is something that seems to go on forever. Remember when you were a kid, how one whole day could feel like a lifetime? I do. Then, as you get older, time has a way of stepping on the gas pedal with all its might so that the days in between the important events in your life feel like an eye blink. That's depressing. It's actually not as bad as it seems. Sometimes it's a blessing to go through life faster and faster. How so? That way you're not dwelling on the past and what you could have done to change it. And all those days in between just fly by and I'm like, Jesus Christ, did he just read my mind? And I'm like, but that, <laughs> is, that, 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 that was your dialogue. That didn't, some of the stuff I could, I sense from other material of Twin Peaks, but that dialogue seemed original. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. That, I mean, that whole scene between Annie and him at the hospital, it's kind of like when, when that first dropped, someone contacted me and they said, this feels like the way season three would have been in 1991. Mm. Like, like if they had continued right. on, it's right. like, that almost seems like a natural scene you would see at the, at the yeah. premiere, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause it would just, it just makes sense. I mean, why wouldn't major Briggs and, and Annie, you know, <laughs> communicate? They're the only ones that have come out. That's true. And, and you incorporate the, the Bookhouse Boys more, which is something I think the fans have always wanted more of. We have, Ben and myself, have always wanted more of the Bookhouse Boys. Yeah, the Secret fact, Society. Why aren't we using them more? I mean, like, well, they're like, I'll, well, I'll tell you one thing. There was a lot more of them in the script, but because of the pandemic, we had to uh, we had to cut all of them out except the one that Annie talks to. There were we, we were because at one point in the film, uh, the character of Dean is bringing Annie to the to the station. And so we were going to have a scene in the station with with Major Briggs. And it was going to be like, um, you know, how uh, like right before the Miss Twin Peaks that, you know, they're like how you know, there's like bookhouse boys and military people in this in the sheriff station. They're all like running stuff about Wyndham Earl and yeah. they got those VHS tapes and everything. I thought that's what I wanted. I wanted to have kind of a flurry. They knew that something terrible would happen. You know, the doppelgangers out, whatever. And we were going to see inside the military. And that's when Major Briggs was going to talk to Annie about what they wanted her to do. Well, pandemic happened. We couldn't have more than, you know, five people at a time together. We lost yeah. the location. And so, um, you know, Maddie, who plays Annie and, and helped me produce the film, she she said to me, well, what are we going to do? Because it's kind of a big scene and we hadn't shot it yet. And I thought, well, how about Dean's walking you guys to the station and then we'll just play off that uh, that moment in episode 16 that Tim Hunter directed where where Major Briggs is standing in the pathway. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I thought, well, we'll just do that so that we'll get the information out to you. Uh, that way and so that's kind of a condensed version of when they meet him in the woods and they talk to him that was supposed to be like in a station with a lot more people around mm -hmm. and then um we were also going to have a moment where the bookhouse boys 
were going to form like a perimeter around Annie at one point and lead her into the woods um, to, to Jack Rabbit's palace. And again, we couldn't do that. So we changed it so that um, basically we to that scene in the in the film where she uh, lays down on the bed and says the prayer and then closes her eyes and then she's in the, the red room. Um, so that that eliminated about 20 minutes of film that we were we never shot. We never we couldn't shoot it. Right. But I thought, you know, if I ever if I ever did a sequel, I'd figure figure out a way to put that in, which is never going to happen, folks. Uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> let's petition. We want our sequel. Here. No, no, no. But anyway, talk um, about locations. I mean, you did get yeah. a lot of great locations. You mentioned Jack Rabbit. I mean, that is really cool to be able to get that scene before of what's happened to it now where it's pretty much gone. It's gone. Yeah. And uh you know, just to, to, to film there. And, 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 and it was, it was kind of magical because we went, it just ended up being that we were able to shoot it roughly around the day that it would have been in the show by the show's timeline in terms mm-hmm. of like, like late March. Right. And so it was so weird because everywhere else it was like the ground was fine, but just around Jack Harrow's palace, there was the snow mm-hmm. <laughs> like right around there. That's and I something. thought, um, cause that was one thing that always bugged me about Firewalk with me as much as I love that movie is that Lynch shot it in the fall and not in, in February, March and fall in Snoqualmie North Bend looks nothing like February and March. If you look at the pilot, okay. There's snow everywhere in that pilot and yeah. you look at the mountains. And then you look at the fall and fire walk with me and it looks like, you know, a pleasant fall day, right? <laughs> There's no evidence that it's a deep February. So um, I really wanted to kind of get that cold feeling sometimes with, uh, with, with Annie. And that's why you see like a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, obviously fog and, and, uh, and so, but I thought I didn't plan for the snow to be there. Cause you know, you just kind of show up and you're going to do what you're going to do. Right. Yep. <laughs> and um, when I saw the snow, I was like, well, that's kind of cool. It kind of reminded me of sort of like a fairy tale wonderland and her running through the woods and stuff in that dress. It just, it looks like Alice in Wonderland or something. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I remember seeing the trait you, you were putting out trailers and yeah, I think, I don't know if it was a, a drone or you just had this, like it was up high and it was like the, the first, I don't know if it was one of the first trailers and it just looked beautiful. Just seeing her running through the forest and it's like, oh, it looks so good. Yeah, that was, well, you could, well, I mean, the, behind the tree, I'm, you guys have been there, I'm sure, haven't you? Yeah. Right. yeah. But if you go behind the tree, there is sort of like a dirt kind of, you can, you know, cl- you know, you're not climbing the tree, but you're kind of stepping on the dirt and you can get that kind of high angles and stuff yeah. like that. Awesome. Um, I was just, I was amazed that we shot five hours there getting all the coverage. Not one time did someone pass us, not one ranger, nothing. <laughs> we were like, wow. and, and I thought, because at first, you know, the idea was like, well, no, you know, no one's going to stop us. I mean, it's just, you know, we're just, you know, it's not like we have a lot of equipment out there, but Annie is covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if it was just her in a dress, I wouldn't worry about it. But because she's completely made up, which means we had to do makeup and that kind of thing. I was a little nervous that people walked by with their dogs and saw a girl covered in blood. I mean, I was like, how fast is the Rangers going to get here? <laughs> right. <laughs> so. But uh, anyway, it was, you know, and, uh, you know, Alali State Park, where we did a magical place. I mean, it's like 55 Twin Peaks locations all in one spot. Yeah. Wow. You know, I mean, just from just from a logistical production point of view, I mean, God, I mean, they were so smart to shoot there. I mean, everything, everything's right there. It's like move 10 feet, turn the camera. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, I do love that you connected things that I, I think some of us fans always thought. I mean, they don't actually say in season three, the, the White Lodge, but I think we all assume yeah. that the fireman is from the White Lodge. And I love that you you have Annie as the agent of the White Lodge. And I think that was, I think she's, that was she, she's Well, she's, the implication is that Freddie is one and Cooper is one. And so I thought, okay. And then obviously Laura Carey is, is, is gotta be one. Cause she was like supposedly birthed there. <laughs> so, you know, I thought, you know, Annie would be sort of this other one. And, and she would sort of have the empathy that the firemen would want because her coming from a religious background and that kind of thing. And so just the idea of like having all three of them together and Freddie kind of like, you know, at, at the at the command center, you know, talking to them, you know, wherever I thought that's kind of fun. And um, I don't know. And just from a Twin Peaks, like fans perspective, it's just like it, it, it fits. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I never said to people like you, you know, accept this as canon. But but one of the pitches I made about this was that if you are a fan of the show, it's not going to take away from your fandom of the show. It's not going to say you have to, you have to get over this hurdle in order to accept this. It's like, it's, it's going to be, as someone said to me, it's actually plays like a giant missing piece to like, Mm. to the whole thing. And right. And the idea too, it was like, you know, towards the ending, having Annie (laughs) telling Cooper, you know, Wyndham Earl's right over there. Right. And uh, (laughs) in the diner, and yes, it works as a joke because you've been built, you know, the movie's been building Wyndham Earl as this, you know, and the show did too. It's this formidable foe. And basically it's like he's taken out because one girl told Cooper, you know, he's right over there. Yeah. yeah. And then that frees up the entire back half of season two so that Gordon, Major Briggs and Cooper can make their plan about Judy. Because right. that was the one thing that bothered me about season three is like, when did they have time? Because Gordon was, he showed up, gave the gun to Cooper, and then he's flirting with Shelly the rest of that episode. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And, and um, so I thought we need to we need to give them that excuse to have that meeting. And that gives them four episodes or, or you know, and they don't have to worry about Miss Twin Peaks or, or any of that stuff. So it gives them the rest of season two. And so I thought, OK, that, that's kind of that's kind of a fun, fun thing there. Um, But I have to ask you, you guys, since you've worked with Kenneth Welsh before his passing, what do you think he would have thought of this? Do you think he would have enjoyed this movie? Oh yeah, I mean, I think you have fun with Wyndham Earl. I think that the the actor is so much fun and and seemed to have a lot of fun, like being uh, both charming and there's definitely a menacing side to him. So I think he would really love that, and I think that he would really get a kick out of. I I did reach out to his agent during pre production. Like, I don't know, would he be interested? And his agent told me he had retired, and so I was so happy when I heard that he was on your show because I was like, wow, you know, and uh, because I mean, obviously we're dealing with a younger Wyndham Earl, but. I, you know, I would have made some concessions if he had come back. You know, so. I know it's funny sometimes. You know, when we 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 try to reach out to agents, we get nowhere. And with him, he was on Facebook, and I just messaged him through Facebook to uh, to do some stuff for us on the show. But sometimes it's it's one of those things. Is like we want to be professional and go through their people, and then the people sometimes don't even bother to reach right. out to their, you know, their clients and stuff to even let us know things. So it's yeah. yeah. That's too bad. Yeah, it would be kind of cool if he would have. I mean, evolved. I think. I mean, you mentioned Charlotte as Caroline. I think. I think Paul as 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 Wyndham did a great job. I think yes. you kind of believe him. You know, Nico had the impossible task of playing Cooper. I told him. I said straight up. I said, you know, you know, the character was created for Kyle because it's you know it's an extension of who he is as a person. So that's why it fits him so well. And you know, another actor playing this part, it's going to be. You know, no, people aren't going to accept it right away because you're a new person. But 
because we're dealing with Windermere and Caroline and it's earlier, you know, you don't have to come in and mimic Kyle. You can play this as, you know, the new recruit, the novice. And I had him cut his hair, not like Cooper, but as Jeffrey Beaumont and Blue Velvet. Ah, so that it, so that it would was charming and yes. and uh, and I thought he was he came off genuinely in love with Caroline yeah. and I thought they they came out very passionate together so it, it worked yeah no yeah but I mean I gotta tell you the sleepless nights of uh, you know what I mean like the yeah. fans are gonna kill me and I said listen I'm gonna protect you I'm gonna keep you in this bubble where it's like I'm not gonna let you get too far away from where Cooper needs to be and I said if you just trust me you know you're not gonna fall on your face about this, you know, and um, I'm happy to see if people really do like him because he's not, he's not competing against Kyle at all. He's doing his own thing. The only scene is the, the season two diner scenes, um, which we had looked forever uh, to find a diner and we couldn't find one. And so we ended up doing it in this like really rinky dink little place, which I mean, it was cute, but it it didn't really work. But then, um, do you know Maya Lundgren, the artist, the Twin Peaks artist? I'm sure you've seen her pictures. I know the name, everywhere. yeah. Anyway, so she she and I know each other, and she says, she says, you know what I've been working on? I said, what? She said, I've been working on a complete 3D diorama of the Double R Diner. And mm-hmm. I said, what does that mean? She says, well, basically, wherever I decide to set up my angle for my illustration, that it will configure where in the diner it is. Huh. Right. And so I thought, can that work in like film? And she goes, probably. And so the effects guy, uh, uh, Ben, that I was working with, Benjamin Oliver, he he cut everybody out of of my footage We because we didn't green screen it. So he had to cut everybody out wow. and then he post he put them in the diner. So they're in the exact spots where they would be in the double R diner. And um, I think it's, you know, it's, I didn't like, know that was a special effect. I just was like, they're in the diner, like. I, I wish. I wish. <laughs> but, uh, that would have been a whole lot easier. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite part of making this film? You know, I mean, I think one, the fact that people believed that I could even do this. Mm. Right. Right. So people believed in it. Um, pre-production was not my favorite <laughs> because yeah. there were a lot of work. There was a lot of work and I, I guess we didn't realize how much work it was going to be. We figured, okay, Wyndham Caroline's house, Annie in the hospital, and then the rest of us kind of like every which everywhere. But again, it, we, we didn't, you know, we didn't think it was going to be a four hour film. Hmm. So it's like we, when I was editing, I was like, oh my God, this thing is huge. You know? <laughs> like, uh, but anyway, so pre-production was really hard because we had a lot of actors jump on and then realize, oh, this is going to take a while. You know, or, you know, some people think it's like, this is going to be really fun, right? Yeah. Because for legal reasons, we have to call it a Twin Peaks fan film. So they think it's going to be silly and have some cherry pie and coffee. And, hmm. and of course, anybody who watches the film knows, oh, my God, you're like, you know, these actors are really going for actual like emotion. Like mm-hmm. Annie, Annie breaking down outside Glastonbury Grove and yelling, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, it's yeah. like, you know, that, that's not campy. So that was hard. But once we got the film off the ground it moved super fast um, because we primarily shot on weekends. But once we got the cast, it just, it just moved until we had to shut down because of the pandemic. And then, and then we came back in the summertime, finished up about a week's worth of stuff. And then, and then it took me a year and a half to edit it because I had to wait until the vaccine came out for people to come over and do the ADR. (laughs) So it just, you don't even think of that, right. The voiceovers, right. I mean, for people that don't, yeah, right. They had to add their voice back in. 
there was that. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of locations because we couldn't shut down streets and stuff like that. So, you know, sometimes they had to like redo some of their lines and stuff like that. Um, it's, uh, so it was a process. And, um, I mean, by the time the film came out, I'm, I think a lot of people kind of forgot the film was being made because it took so long. But then when it came out, it was just like, you know, I mean, the response to it, the people who have seen it, you know, that go in with an open mind, they seem to really, really enjoy it. And they seem to really understand the intent, you know, and which is another reason why I don't think I've gotten any angry, hostile emails from like Showtime and CBS because they see it. It's, it's, it's like, you know, how much of a love letter can you really do to the show? It's like, you know, mm. and it only boosts, it only boosts their property more, you know? And uh, totally. so, yeah. you know, I was always hoping that like Frost would reach out and say, Hey, do you want to do a, a book for the, you know, an offshoot book about the film or not That'd the film, cool. but the, of, of, uh, of the show or something like that, you know, not keeping my hopes up or anything, but it's just saying like, you know, you can see how much respect we all had for the show. And yeah. Um, you know, and I think the the actors did really great. And, you know, I, I you know, I, I couldn't be more proud of it. I'm glad it, I'm glad it's done, though. That was I mean, my favorite part was when it was like, it's pretty much done. Thank God. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, I mean, then when I put out the trailer, I was super nervous. Like, what are people going to say about this thing? You know, because I like, are they going to just completely trash it? Right. But I think the visual I mean, like this, there's a moment of Annie at the at the church. Right. I mean, just for anybody who hasn't seen it, um, about 10 minutes from me is the church where they shot Vertigo. And so it was the day of the pandemic where we we're going to go on lockdown. Nobody was there. So we went up there and shot that sequence of Annie there. And I thought, well, it has to be there because Vertigo is a crucial part of Twin Peaks with yeah. Madeline and Judy and Ferguson. Yeah, and right. And so let's shoot it at the at the, nice. at the location where james stewart and kim novak were um so that's kind of just kind of fun that's a definitely an easter egg there yeah. <laughs> so. we didn't go into all the things that you i mean so you you wrote the script yeah. you were the director yeah and you were the camera person and the editor and the editor i mean yeah. that's a lot of roles it's a lot of hats to wear i don't think people understand that all the work that goes into what well person. you do i mean you do one at a time right right <laughs> so, but still you know. So the script, the, the because we had so long in pre-production, I was really able to fine-tune that script exactly. I mean, it was pretty much ready to go um, like a few months in. But, you know, when you have so much downtime, you would be like, oh, yeah, that's that's a good line. I'll change that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. we, so by the time we were ready to go, we we had it. We I felt like, you know, when you watch uh, the first, let's say the first the pilot and the second episode and the third episode before Harley. I mean, I'm not, I love Harley Payton, but when it's just, when it was just Lynch and Frost for those first four hours of season one of Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's, you feel like it's incredibly written and then directed. Whereas like, sometimes you feel like, okay, this was kind of written and then Lynch put his flourish on it and directed it. Right. Yeah. Um, so I wanted it to kind of feel like those opening episodes of season one, where it's like, it felt very written Mm. Uh, and then because I mean there's like like when when Cooper's reciting the poem to Caroline and stuff like that it's like that's you know that's like it's a, it's a 10 minute scene where them sitting on the couch you know mm. and it's like Lynch would never do a 10 minute scene of them just sitting on the couch <laughs> talking like that you know yeah so but then you know he directed and then I mean photograph it and but then editing obviously is you know after 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 it's all shot but uh, I mean we did a lot of takes honestly that not had to do with um 
sometimes the camera issues, sometimes it was like, you know, they're getting off work and then doing a scene. They have to kind of get out of that work mode. You know what I mean? And, and it takes yeah. them a few takes to get out of that. And then, and then, and then to get into the character and stuff like that. So if you think about how hard it, it was to make this film, it, it really was, I mean, right. you know, and now all you want is you want it to be seen. I mean, it's great. It's available for free on YouTube. So, I mean, you can go. It's gotten is about it Queen 60. of Hearts, the, the, your YouTube channel, right? That is available to, to Yeah, I put, it, I put it on the Annie Blackburn channel. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's gotten about 60,000 views so far, nice. which is great. That's great. But, but at the same time, though, I mean, when, when Twin Perfect's video has 2.5 million, it's like. You know, I feel I kinda, like that's just clickbait. It's like, you know, all oh, the answers are solved. And, you know, yeah, so it, yeah. it's completely clickbait. I wouldn't yeah. have the, I would never title a video that, but that's just me. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause like, yeah. I don't know. It's like you're asking for trouble, but doing that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it's gotten 60,000 views so far. Um, and uh, so that's, that's great. I mean, obviously getting the word out through you guys is wonderful. Cause that will hopefully, you know, bring more people to, to watch it. And I, I think that, um, uh, you know, if, I think if you are a Twin Peaks fan, you're nervous and you're like, well, I, you know, I only really like David Lynch and, or Mark Frost doing it. I, I I don't think you'll find this disrespectful. I really don't. No, not right. at all. And I kind of feel at this point when it comes to Twin Peaks related things, I don't think, in my opinion anyway, I don't believe canon is a word we should be using. I kind of mm. feel like because the books are... The, Mark Frost's books are kind of like his own thing. Then you have the series itself. Scott Frost. I mean, all the. Yeah. And all these. And I think it's a, it all comes together and you can pick and choose and you can manipulate things to make things make more sense because obviously sometimes people didn't line things up correctly. So I kind of feel like Twin Peaks has become like an art house itself where you can just enjoy it's however you like because it's celebrate that we all love Twin Peaks and just enjoy yeah. that that we're getting to tell more stories about Twin Peaks. And- yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and I think uh, you know I'm I'm giving you basically three and a half more hours in this world. Exactly. Um, and you know it's it so it takes place after season two and then before season one, like the opening scene with uh, Annie in the hospital and Norma's there. And she's wearing the exact same outfit that, you know, she was wearing at the the second season finale. And you really feel like the guilt of Norma because, you know, her sister's been kidnapped. And what is she doing? She's snapping her fingers at the fireplace with uh, with Ed, you know, dealing with Nadine. Right. Yeah. So it's like she's so, you know, much like Shelly, she's always putting the boyfriends ahead of family. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's one of the kind of the running arcs in, in Queen of Hearts 2 is Norma going from even not even being able to look Annie in the eye in the hospital like she's just needing you know wants to make sure she's safe and then gets out of there to the point that by the end of the film they're truly sisters they're having dinner together you know and uh, right. and I give and I give uh, you know Norma that giant monologue when Annie's in the chair right before the I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine sequence which I do want to say I mentioned this before but I'll, I'll, I'll throw this kind of tidbit out there before Peggy Lipton passed, she did express interest in playing the part in this film because oh, of wow. because, because of that. Hear this? Wow! Because of that monologue um, oh. when, when Annie's in the chair, and you know, she said, "Yeah, I'm really interested in this." And then, you know, by the time you know it was even a possibility of getting it, you know, made, obviously she wasn't here anymore. But I mean, yeah. that, it, it didn't go very far in discussions, right? 
And I think the actress did a fantastic job. I can't even imagine if we had Peggy Lipton like redoing Norma for that for that sequence. That would have been just incredible. the fact that she she was interested a little bit in it is is got to say a lot about your. your yeah, I think she. And- I, I I think her and Ray Wise like were kind of a little bit like expecting a bit more in season three. So. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah. I know Ray, Ray Wise, from what I understand, doesn't even really want to talk about season oh. three very much, you know. <laughs> so, because he was, the, you know, he was the, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but you know, he was the kind of the flag waver for so many years, you know. Yep. Twin Peaks, I'd love to come back, and then he comes back for one line. <laughs> so, oh my god! And I thought he would come back at the end of of the of that season. I thought we'd see him again. But... Yeah, I thought that he and um philip gerard was going to help dougie i thought it, they, he was going to see him see him both or something you know or, yeah or, or something like that but i from what i understand ray wise came did his line and then they said thank you ray and uh have a good day <laughs> and then he said what <laughs> I'm, I'm wrapped because you know no one got the script except kyle right yeah. so they he didn't know if he was coming back or not so but yeah i mean obviously i mean sarah who played norma she's a fantastic job and it may i mean maybe it would have taken everybody out if peggy lipton all of a sudden showed up in the film but yeah again it was you know before sarah was even cast in the film so it was just it was just a preliminary thing but you know it just it just goes to show you that there were you know there were ideas out there that people seem to kind of gravitate towards you know like i always thought before before i met maddie and she's amazing as annie but like you know a year before i i met her when i was trying to get this thing off the ground you know I, I had these fantasies in my head which were never going to happen i was like well you know what if what if we got heather graham to come back you know because mm. this would be such an amazing underground production oh yeah. yeah you know sort of like this would be like her sigourney weaver and aliens thing you know where it's like you know she kind of comes back and owns the role but uh you know she hasn't even liked one one tweet about the film. So, you know, that's never, I don't even think she remembers the part, to be honest. But uh, which is weird. Does she really recognize any Twin Peaks people? She doesn't. I never see her really, really speak about Twin Peaks. Yeah, there's certain people like her and Amanda Seyfried who never even acknowledge Twin Peaks. And <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Uh, it's uh, yeah. But I mean, like, I, I think I, I, I think the, the movie ended up coming out great. The cast is great. And um, I couldn't I couldn't be happier. And uh you know, I mean, it's funny though. It's like if it, if it, uh, if Mark Frost had made one change in the final dossier, the film wouldn't be made. If Thor had not made his short film, I never even would have thought about doing this. So it's like there's so many little things in there that's like that made this possible. Yeah. You know, if we if we had started the film one month later shooting, we wouldn't be able to finish it because the actors would have moved during the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I never. So the film never would have been finished. So like everything just happened the way. It did. And so when I think back over some of the hardships and or people who were involved or not involved and then they, you know, whatever, it's like it's hard for me to to hold any gripes against anybody because I feel like it it happened the way it needed to happen. Yeah, another version could have existed out there, but I'm I'm very happy with the way this version came out. Yeah. And And so was it like four or five years? How long did it take you to from? Well, well, we fall of 2019 is when we started. Then we shut down in March because we were just doing weekends. So it's like six months of weekends, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then did a little bit of filming in the summer of 20. And then I did the rough cut until January 21. And then we did the ADR in the summertime and then act one. Now, the reason why, we were always going to put it as one film, but I separated it into five acts because some of the effects were taking a long time. Yeah. So I thought, well, what, do I, what if I just put, 
I didn't want to postpone, postpone it again. So I just said, oh, okay, we'll just put out act one <laughs> and see what people think of it. And that came out at the end of 20, uh, November, November 21. Right. So that by the time the whole film was out, it was what June of 22. So, you know, about the length that took Nolan to make the dark Knight, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, or one of the star yeah. Wars films. Right? right. And so when, when every once in a while we get somebody going, this film's taking forever. And it's like, well, you know, still coming out earlier than Return of the Jedi did. Yeah. So, and I, and I, you know, in between Fire Walk With Me and Lost Highway was five years. So, you know, come on guys. And I mean, even Lynch spent five years making a racer head. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, so let's, so let's, and that's a 90 minute film. You know what I mean? Right. So like, you know, and he, he got, he got married, divorced, remarried, like all of them while making one movie. Yeah. Right. I mean, I can't even imagine, can you imagine Christmas like three years into that film? Like David, when are you going to be done with this thing? <laughs> right. Okay. So, it, so when people gave me crap about, it, I was like, you know, again, Lynch and Racerhead, you know, and, um, and also I was so thrilled that he made Inland Empire with a terrible you know, Circuit City camcorder because I thought no matter what, <laughs> I felt my film will look as good as, or if not better than Inland yeah. Empire. Yeah. And um, so, just so people know, um, I've gotten a lot of crap about this too, but uh, we shot this entire film with an iPhone 11. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. And, I, and did, a, I had no idea. And a GoPro 7. Wow. Um, Isn't that so something? That's great. It looks great. I was, like the, I was saying that the lighting looks good. The framing is great. The, the, yeah, the quality of the video is excellent. So, like, wow. It moves, like the scenes, like you almost forget you're watching a fan film because sometimes you know the difference right. between a fan yeah. film, but yours, the, the production value is very high. It looks very high. It's very well. You're knowledgeable in doing what you're doing. So it looks really good. And, and I we got no idea you used an iPhone. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's we wanted to be able to shoot in places that maybe we didn't have permits for. Yeah. And so instead of like, you know, bringing in all this camera equipment, if you go in with a phone, no one's going to say anything. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, talk about production value. We got a hospital to let us shoot there. I swear to God, I thought that was like a room. You put up a curtain because I was like, that's an easy one and done. But I didn't know you really shot. Well, I mean, that doesn't look like a bedroom, does it? That that yeah. that room, because you can see the the bathroom door, and yeah. Like, but yeah. like when when her and Dean escape from the hospital, you see them running down the hallways of the hospital, and yeah, yeah. the nurse, the sure. nurses with with the with the tulpa Annie and all that kind of things. Thing. Um, and I think that my wife goes that to me is what gives it the the value, you know, because it's like you realize oh, it looks like you're really at Calhoun Memorial Hospital, and mm. you know, again, putting Annie. You know, you're not green screening her. She's at Jack Rabbit's palace. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so right. it's like, so, you know, that's where, you know, we had like, we would get costumes, uh, um, either Goodwill or we would go to costumes like Amazon. We would wear them with the tags, return them to Amazon, get our money back, put that money into other stuff. Nice. So we, so we were able to like make the budget bigger than it was because we knew Okay, we only need this dress for this moment here, so we'll get this and then we'll return it. But so you can stretch it out, you know. It's and that was kind of a fun thing, just from a low budget point of view. It's like, how can we, like, um, there's a moment where, um, like, where Caroline disappears for a while, right? And she comes back as a prostitute, and that's taken mm -hmm. from Scott Frost's book. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to be where Cooper and, and, and Wyndham are all like pick her up at sort of like uh, a police station and they were going to, and she was going to be in an interrogation room. And then that 
scene was going to happen there. We couldn't find any interrogation room that would work. We were looking for those, you know, those cinder block rooms that you would see back in the old days. All the new interrogation rooms look too modern and nice. <laughs> so we couldn't, we couldn't do that. And then I thought, well, because, you know, Whitnam's probably responsible for her disappearance, he would, he would want to make the exchange as private, as low key as possible. So let's have them do it like at a seedy motel. Mm. And, and then, and then we, so we ended up shooting it at a CD motel and then, but the lighting behind Caroline, I mean, it just looks like a scene from Inland Empire where, yeah. you know, and, and in fact, she even quotes Inland Empire in that scene. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that surprised a lot of people when she disappeared and then comes back as a prostitute. It's like, but it was in the book. It was, it was in, in the, the book. book. Yeah, it, it was in the book. And um you know, it's uh, and of course she had to go through something because, you know, according to the show, you know, Wyndham and Cooper were assigned to, you know, be on her detail. So mm-hmm. um, there was there was all that uh, as well. And uh, I mean, just in this seeing her and then Annie in the in the same dresses and stuff like that um, was really something because it's like it's one thing to like think about it. And then you see the actor standing in front of you wearing these dresses. It's like, oh, my God, like we're really making this like. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. You, you got a lot of great outfits that really bring you back to the series. It's like, wow, they got that's pretty close to what was on the, on the show. What did you. So there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you guys about. One is uh, the recreation of Annie and Laura's bed that I mean, it looks like it's people said uh, when I saw when I showed them a still, they didn't even they thought I sent them a still fire walk with me. Cause it looks almost, you know, she's it like, looks good. It really is. It's the way it was framed and the way that they're dressed. Yeah. It really feels like fire walk with me. The red room. I was impressed by the red room. So what we did with that is um, we actually got a, uh, um, a school gymnasium. <laughs> and if you go up on stage, they have, okay. So they have, the first drapes come in and then you have the second drapes come in. Right. So, you know, they do the, the two drapes, right? Yep. So we knew by having both drapes closed, you had the hallway. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. when you opened up both drapes, you had the full room. So what we did is we just got the flooring and then we just, depending on what the room was, we just closed the drapes and then they were black and gray drapes. We couldn't find red velvet. You would think we would be able to, we couldn't. Yeah. So we just ended up like, changing that all in in after effects all, all oh, the wow. all, all the drapes to red because one thing i've noticed when people make their red rooms is again i'm not knocking anybody but they make it very small and petite for you to get pictures and things like that and one of the things that i've always liked about the black lodge is the depth so like when they're in the hallway you can see it's a real long hallway mm. so i wanted that moment like at the beginning when um before Annie gets pulled out of the lodge, like because we never see that in the show, we see her, the drapes, and then she's they're there at Gossamer Grove. I want I wanted to see the doppelganger run down and grab her, you know. But in order to do that, you have to pick up speed, which means you're going to have to run down a hallway, mm-hmm. and that's where the GoPros come in because then you can actually, if you have them in the center and away from that fisheye lens part, you can go as fast as possible and get that speed. And I kind of wanted, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to kind of have some Scorsese camera movements in what is a, essentially a, a, a static environment. Yeah. Right. So, so that was a hard thing, but I mean, I think, you know, again, it's like you can make it work if you just kind of think about it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you ever want to create a red room, you know, seriously get a high school gymnasium and then color the <laughs> colors, the drapes red after, after effects. Mm-hmm. 
what what did you think of that whole like flashback of uh of annie when she goes back and you see like the whole thing with her mom and, and her stepdad that uh yeah the whole dad part was that was that in the final was that in any of the books or is that something that you created it's in the final dossier what is in the final dossier because it's funny it's funny at least one of back in the day in the 90s i was like oh it's the boyfriend was the one that abused her yeah. i just assumed oh, and then man. to bring in this father it's like whoa is, is cameron coming up with this and i didn't even realize it was in the dossier that it was it's that, in that the final happened. dossier the boyfriend's not i don't think he's in the dossier so, so so i just combined the two <laughs> I was nice. like, I was like, the only, the one thing I did add was the mom throwing her out. Yeah, I thought, I thought, how is Annie going to even contemplate taking her own life? Right. Right. And I thought, okay, if the if if the mom throws her out, the dad makes a pass at her, and the boyfriend dumps her. <laughs> it's like it's like yeah. one, two, three, and, uh, and and also the fact that it's a flashback, but it's also like she's still in the in the Black Lodge, so it's sort of like the Black Lodge kind of making recreating the worst day of her life hmm. because it because it, in, in the way maddie's talked about it, she said i she sees it as the lodge can't kill her so it's going to make her kill herself you know and, and and how do you do that you're going to redo the worst day of your life and magically we ended up shooting that scene just after christmas and so in the final dossier that whole scene takes place around christmas huh. So we were able to, you know, have the Christmas trees up and the lights yeah. and stuff like that. And so I was like, oh, my God, it's actually going to. That's when you feel like it's coming together. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> right? I love seeing the, the religious, uh, uh, you know, fo photos. You have Jesus there and things like that. It's like, oh, yeah, I feel like this would be her home. This would be, you know, her family's very religious. And this. Ooh. And you have to see her mom kind of, uh, you know, treating her as like, you know, she's having Annie in the house is, is take, you know, the men are always going to look at her and not Vivian. Right. And we all know how vain Vivian is as MT Wentz as the show goes on yeah. later. You know? So I thought, yeah, she's very man focused. She may not like the men like Ernie. She, you know, she doesn't, I think she's tolerating Ernie, but she's using him to get to a certain spot. So right. I wanted to kind of show the mom. And then there's a moment in there too, after, um, after the mom throws Annie out um, Annie like pauses and you hear like screeching tires for a second. Mm -hmm. And that's because in the book, it says the dad drove away the mom, Vivian chased after him and, 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 uh, knocked his car off the cliff and he died. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I get these wild at heart flashbacks of uncle pooch going down the, yeah. down the hill. Right. Yeah. And so I thought, I thought, uh, okay. So I wanted to have that moment of the screeching tires and you hear that. And nice. so, I mean, there's a lot of things in there that the, the, yeah. you know, you're a fan you'll get a kick out of but um you know i mean uh yeah i think yeah, like i said all the actors are great but uh you know maddie is annie i mean that's a it's kind of a hard thing to play you know that that mm -hmm. whole part but by the end of the film i mean you just you, you feel like you understood her whole arc and hopefully after people watch the movie you kind of realize why i wanted to tell the story and why you know why it may have taken a while to do but um I mean, I think I, I I think it's one of those things where it's like five years from now, 10 years from now, it will be looked at very fondly because this is the only probably. OK, I don't want to say forever, maybe maybe not permanently, but right now it's the only movie that's ever going to show, you know, the I'm fine part from Mark Frost's book. Hmm. You know, it's the only part that's going to show Wyndham and Caroline. They're probably never going to tell that story. Right. So it's like this is this is it, folks, you know. <laughs> 
So, yeah. And it's as close as they're probably ever going to get to, you know, that the story that was, has already been concocted. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. good stuff. Well, congratulations on completing it. I mean, that is amazing. And, and you did a fantastic job with it. And uh, yeah. if you guys, if people haven't seen it, it's free, go to YouTube. You can check it out. I mean, it's free. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty and, awesome. And you don't, you know, it's uh, if it offends you, you know, you didn't <laughs> you just walk away from it. <laughs> if it offends you, go make your own film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's uh, that's not necessarily a bad idea. Like, I'm hoping that um, that this might encourage people to go do their own. I'll watch them. Yeah. I love th- I love this world, you know, and it's like, you know, if you're not just like kind of throwing it together. And I'll probably still watch that too, but you know, as I would love to see people who really love this material, like tell a story in this world. Cause there's a lot of them that you could tell. I mean, season three alone has like 4,500 open ends. I mean, go yeah. for it. <laughs> you know? so true. It's Make not, a character. It's, it's not, it's not hard to do your own roadhouse booth scenes, folks. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh. just, you know. So what's next for you? I mean, are you do you have any ideas about maybe making another film or are you sticking? I'm, wor- with- I'm working. I'm working on stuff, writing some stuff. Again, it's it all depends on, you know, just like what you think you can raise, and you know, because that's a big part of it, and yeah, and who you think you can, you know, get for it, and um, you know, what do you want to spend a year of your life making? Mm. You know, I right. mean, it's uh. It's, uh I mean, I love this material and, uh, you know, but uh, when people ask me like, Oh, would you ever do another twin peaks film again? I said, maybe if I had like, you know, the studio behind me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, if, uh, if Ross and Lynch was like, I don't want to do it anymore, but get some young up and comers to do it, you know, like I'll gladly throw my hat in the ring, you know, but, yeah. uh, but I would never try and do this again for $20,000. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's just, it's just, it's just a lot to, you know, it's just, it's a huge production. We had no crew. It was myself and Maddie like doing everything. Uh, If an actor was on set and they were able to help out, they would like help us carry some stuff or whatever, you know, but it was pretty much, you know, us and a few people, a couple people helping without hair and makeup, you know, and that was it. We had had no crew. I mean, imagine if we had a crew, Yeah, (laughs) you know, so you know um, so well i appreciate it because honestly it's like i love hearing uh people's reactions to the film but i was i've been really curious about you know people like you who actually not saying they the other people don't but like you guys have been doing a podcast for you know a long time about this show you know this show ins and out you've talked to so many of the cast members you put out a book about your show right i mean it's like i really wanted to hear what you guys had to say about it I was most impressed with you did your homework. I mean, you really knew, you knew yeah. the material, you knew all the books, you knew the shows and, and, and yeah. And, and I love how you just incorporated that in. And as, as a longtime fan, I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. Well, thank you for that. And uh, again, just, um, I mean, the, just the whole Cooper Caroline stuff that alone, I think is worth the price of admission, you know, yeah. take the, take the any stuff out of it. Again, it's like the idea of, well, I could have cut it in half and just made one of the stories, but I think the film needed, it needed to be both. Otherwise it's just, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, if it just right. ended with Caroline dead, 
how how's what what benefit does that give us right <laughs> oh it's definitely a richer it's richer to intertwine these two and see how they kind of collide it's definitely right richer. and it's not like combining caroline with little nikki or something i mean a- right. annie i mean <laughs> a- i mean annie and caroline are intertwined from the very start of yep. the, of season two i mean again it's the failure and the redemption arc right mm-hmm. um you know the, the I, I didn't write it in the script but uh you know, if I could have had one, if I had like, you know, a bigger budget and that kind of thing, I would have, I would have loved to restage the Miss Twin Peaks contest. Because um, I would have loved to have seen Lana win, right? Because Annie's uh, no longer in the running, right? So Lana yeah, would be yeah. the winner. And, <laughs> and I would have just loved to see like Annie and Dean just like having some punch to the back going cheers. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, can, can you share with everybody where, where they can view this and share like how they can follow you and uh, especially your YouTube uh, channel? Do you call it a, a video podcast or what do you call your? Uh... I got so I, I it's funny. Joel thought I was mad at him once because he did a whole listing of like the best Twin Peaks podcasts. And I and I, I wrote him. I said, where's my name? And he goes, well, you're you're a YouTube video maker. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I, but all I do is talk, <laughs> you know, and um, it's funny to see that there are people like Joel that like literally differentiate a podcast versus, the, you know, a video thing. I, I always assumed we were like, I mean, I do videos, too, but, you know, for the most part, I do talking head stuff because mm. to be honest, uh, years ago, I used to put out more videos or creative videos and YouTube would like like uh, sometimes just randomly when when Google bought them out, they would like shut down YouTube channels and stuff. And I got so irritated with that. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do talking head stuff so that if they do pull it down, who cares? You know, I didn't put a, <laughs> I didn't put a lot of time and energy into it. Yeah. Um. So that, so I ended up carrying over, but then I see like take the rings videos and I'm like, you bastard. Like I want to, I want to <laughs> make stuff like shame. that. <laughs> oh, that video he did with John Thorne. I mean, like it literally brought me to tears. I was oh. like, I was like, oh my God, Jeremiah, what are you doing? Right. Um, and, yeah. uh, but like if I made a video, like that youtube would probably yank down my channel so you know right. <laughs> i'll let take the ring to it but i like what you do you've had a lot of great guests on you guys had a lot of great conversations and topics i've really enjoyed i can't believe it's been 10 years that you've been doing this but uh god help me yeah it's pretty <laughs> I mean, awesome. I, to, to, to be honest i i did it originally because probably like you guys I, nobody was really talking about twin peaks mm. i mean yeah the gold box was out i think it was on netflix but it wasn't people weren't talking about it. So I thought it'd be fun to just kind of because what happened was honestly, I I interviewed Jennifer Lynch, which to this day on my channel is is I think it's the longest interview she's ever done. And it kind of got me back into it kind of brought it all back, right? When I was younger, like, oh yeah, Twin Peaks, I love it so much. Yeah. And so I wanted to kind of start talking about it. And then after about a year or so, it's like, I'm done with this. Like I've talked about it to death, right? There's only so much <laughs> I can talk about season one and two about in the movie. And then what happened? They announced the Blu-ray set was coming with the missing pieces. So I'm like, yeah. okay, all right, I'll wait till that comes out. And then they announced season three, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Now I was watching a lot of like, do you remember back in the days when it was like AMC movie talk and that kind of stuff, right? And they were always talking about comic movies and things like that. But I thought, you know, it'd be really fun is what if we talked about Twin Peaks that way? What if we got people built up like, you know, the play by play, you know, like they're going to do, yeah, you know, and so we, we started doing that 
and that got us <laughs> that i mean people really liked it i heard from people who worked on the set that they would watch the videos um but then we'd also sometimes get in hot water because like someone would tell us something and we wouldn't like spoil anything but we would say something like hey we heard that they they're, they're interested in having james's bike back hmm. right and for that flashback moment. Now, we didn't yeah. know it was a flashback moment. We just heard, hey, they're going to supposedly they're going to have James's bike back. And, and, and Sabrina like reached out and she's like, I, I think let's keep that kind of stuff private. And I didn't, I thought, oh my God, well, I didn't think that was a big <laughs> revelation that his bike was in it. But I used to make up funny stories like, um, uh, my co host and I would make up funny stories like, like, you know, the fans, the fans are watching them shoot outside the double R diner and Lynch, you know, remember there's pictures uh, behind the scenes of Wild at Heart with Lynch with a Magnum walking around. Yeah. And, and so I would just make up these stories that like, you know, if the, if the Twin Peaks fans got too close, Lynch would just fire a gun in the air, you know, and scare <laughs> him away, which is, you know, obviously so ludicrous, but some people took it seriously and thought Lynch was running around like a madman. Mm. Um, and then of course, when you watch season three, what happens? There's a Magnum shot at the double R diner. Oh. Right? <laughs> And I was like, oh God. Anyway, um, so we ended up doing that for a while. And then um, obviously then when season three came out and it was, you, you remember, it was a party. You know, it was oh, like yeah. five, five straight months of, of headaches and bliss at the same time. And then, so we were coming down from that when I got the idea to do Queen of Hearts. And then that, I, I, honestly, I thought it would take about a year to do this movie, <laughs> right? Because I, I, I thought that because I had so many people watching the show, so many people on the show, I thought, well, this is going to be super easy. We're going to throw this together, get some local actors, wherever, right. bang this thing out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And next year we'll have something to show, you know, and then, and then again, because I'm in my own bubble, you, you guys are in your own bubble. Sometimes you just right. don't, you don't really realize how much potential drama there is in fan communities and it's mm. a little it's maybe not so much anymore but i think it was at that point because people were happy elated and also very upset by season three so there was a lot of push and pull mm. there and I, I and and people were wanting season four and all that and i i think the the you know the drama of it's just you know like there's just you know when people in star wars or star trek those are huge fandoms yeah. But Twin Peaks is so okay. I'm not saying it's a small fandom because obviously there's a lot of people who follow everybody on Twitter and YouTube and, and, and podcasts and stuff. But the people who regularly post about Twin Peaks is a very small number. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's probably about 100 people and we all know them. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like there's this, this whole thing of like, I've always maintained it's like, nobody, we should not ever be fighting with each other because we, because, Nobody's trying to take over anybody's space. Everybody occupies their own little thing. Right. Everybody's happy doing their own little thing. And that's why I've always pushed for collaboration more. And uh, obviously, you know, the film kind of pushed me into a direction where I wasn't making as many videos. And I just, you know, I'm hoping that uh, there really doesn't need to be, you know, I, I, no. I, just, I, I feel like if we all truly love the show, I don't, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make any sense yep. to me. Yeah. And and I think there were people who saw, especially during the pre-production of this film, people who were outside of the fan community that saw opportunities to um, troll people or turn people against each other. And, um, you know, I think if we were all in, uh, knew each other beforehand, 
I'm not talking about you guys and me, but just Everything. all of us in general. Right. I think it would have been easier for us to all come together and be like, hey, can you, what is going on with this? Oh, that's what's going on or whatever. But because we all kind of like are in our own little bubbles and every once in a while we collaborate, yep. uh, it, it, it made for a lot of what's going on. Oh, I'm hearing this. And, I, you know, and then it just creates a whole bunch of nonsense. And I'm hoping that even if Twin Peaks doesn't come back anytime soon, I'm hoping that all of us as Twin Peaks creators, whether, whether, whether we're making films, videos, podcasts, whatever, I'm hoping that we can all kind of be some sort of like communication with each other so that if there's another stupid drama riff or whatever, it gets squashed almost immediately. Because Sounds good to me. Sounds really good. Let's come together. Cameron, it was great having you on the show. Do you want to plug uh, the movie? You want to say where oh, yeah. people can follow you? So Queen of Hearts, Twin Peaks fan film. You can find it on the Annie Blackburn YouTube channel. And you can follow me uh, on the YouTube channel, Obnoxious and Anonymous. The reason why it's called that is because uh, years ago, there was a website called Ain't It Cool News and Yahoo and everything else. And the comments section were always really... Uh, obnoxious people that posted anonymously hmm. and and i always said if i ever created something like a channel or a, a website i would call it that and it would be the antithesis of that um and uh so that and i never planned on doing twin peaks videos it just ended up being that way and um so that's why the channel is called that i'm not I'm, it's not a troll channel regardless of whatever you've heard <laughs> <So>. <laughs> i always wondered that's really cool that you shared that with us yeah um, so if you have a comment, question, or theory, give us an email at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. You can like us on Twitter, Facebook. We're, we're on all the podcast platforms at this point. We'll be back next month with a very special episode. And then we're going to end the year off with our best of Twin Peaks in 2022, uh, which will have a lot of surprises in that. So we have two more shows for 2022, so we'll see you next month.